exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories. Their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Isaac Hurtado. Now, Isaac and I go way, way, way back. So back to Tim Few High School, Tim Few in Provo, Utah, and I didn't have all of my teeth and had braces all through high school and red rashy skin and big, huge hair that I didn't know what to do with. And Isaac was cool, but he was still a nice guy. You know? Yeah. So, I hope you know, so. You were. You were very nice. And we were in acapella, but you were also in, what was the magicals? Yeah. The yeah. upper level thing. And, you know, he had an amazing voice and... Just such a great voice. And, you know, wouldn't that have been great if you'd done something with that talent, Isaac? I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing because Isaac is uh, a luminary. Is that a a good term in the music world? Sure. I don't know if it applies, but it's a great term. (laughs) Yeah, but he is an opera singer and all the things. So I'm excited to catch up with my friend Isaac um, because today's my 50th birthday and evidently I'm one week older than Isaac. We yeah. are hitting the, the five O. And we were super old for our class. Yes. Like, I was actually remember, surprised that you, you were. Did you get your uh, driver's license like super early? Yeah. Sophomore year. Yeah. yeah. Me too. It was, it was like the hot ticket, but except for, I, it took me an extra two weeks cause I failed my first time. So it was tragic cause people were waiting for me to be able to drive. And I had to like, do the walk of shame from the DMV. Oh, that is terrible. That surprises me because I remember you being a good student. <laughs> well, I, I I did okay on the verbal, but I just, I missed a left turn lane. I didn't see that there was oh. really a lane. So I made a left turn out of the center lane at the, uh, at the DMV and got toasted. Yeah, but those were like little drawn on parking lot lines. Who could really judge you for a made right? up, you know? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm a trucker's kid. So if I had failed that, I would have been, I don't know, I probably still wouldn't be allowed to drive. You know, my family, the walk of shame. <laughs> now, nobody was particularly waiting for me to get my driver's license. Do you remember my car that I had? I don't remember your car, no. What okay, see, just shows how nice you were. My car was a Dodge Monaco 1966. It was aquamarine, as I like to call it, but it was really cute. The paint had faded with time and (laughs) people mocked me for my car, but I was like, oh, who paid for your car? Oh, (laughs) your parents. I paid for my own car. Of course, I didn't do it that confidently, but that was what I said. There were, you know, we had like a Ferrari or two in our parking lot and no, I was in a like a 1980 Celica hatchback that had uh, plaid seats. And yeah, so not like a wind up, uh, you know, sunroof. So I wasn't doing oh, much. Wait, wait. I was about to say not much better than my car, but yours had a sunroof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it was a wind up sunroof, it right. was still a sunroof. You're right. You know? Those were Did good. You, uh, put it down and enjoy the the sun of Utah. Yeah, I you know I thought that was cool. I used to launch water balls, uh, water balloons at uh, people who would go to New Kids on the Block concerts at the Marriott. Where's <laughs> 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 the sunroof? <laughs> uh, is that was that who was cool at that time? Well, not when we were seniors, but I think oh. I think it's like like maybe eighty nine, ninety, like right when we would have had started driving and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember they came to Provo though. It was really funny and we used we we made fun of them. I, I had my girlfriend and we we filled up a hundred water balloons and just drove around the parking lot. <laughs> so evil. 
<laughs> I I tried to remember who the the hot band that I remember seeing girls have their posters of. Somebody can Google that 1992, 1991, who was, who was hot. Cause I can't remember, yeah. you know, so super fun. Where are you living now? I'm in Provo. Okay. Yeah. Cause I see you like in New York and are you gone a lot because of the, your work? Yeah, I'm, I do some traveling, but, um, but I'm, I run the opera program at UVU. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm here and then I bounce around. So. Okay, so take take everyone who doesn't know how cool you are. Take them through from being in magicals at Timfew High School, which is the pinnacle of musical talent. <laughs> <laughs> he laughs. Well, I mean, at that point, if you're a male and you have a pulse, like you can get into anything you want, and as far as singing goes, but yeah. Well, for Gus girls, the very best. Um, what was her name? Lizzie. Lizzie. Hanson? Um, what? You're talking about Lizzie Hanson? Yeah, Lizzie Hanson. She was oh. always so nice and she was this little teeny thing, but she could belt. She yeah. could sing. You know? Well, we had a lot of, you know, a lot of talented people, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, well, so I I actually joined that choir because I thought the accompanist was, was cute. And I did <laughs> not know anything about music at all. Like, every good boy does fine nothing i just got him my dad was a tenor my dad was a tenor and sang in the motab for 20 years so So. mormon tabernacle choir for those of you who don't know which is now the choir at temple square i like yeah yeah um but so i mean it wasn't like it was not in my blood a little bit but i didn't i did not sing around the house really or anything like that i just i I joined the choir because i had broken my femur playing football uh, and and I needed a new hobby, and and I had a crush on someone that played the piano in the choir, and so I auditioned. What's that? I don't want to say. You don't want to out her, okay? But okay. I will say that that I still know her, and I'm known as Voldemort in their house. I'm like I am he who shall not be named, and I don't know what I did exactly to earn that status. <laughs> like anyway. what? Like you yeah, put a scar I think on your it's, kid's it's like a joke. No, no, no. I think it's just a joke in their family that, you know, they, that, that they, um, because I, I dated their mom or something. Oh, you know, like and, a fun... okay. So the only reason I can think of calling a guy Voldemort would be the guy that like broke my heart or something. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. In fact, I think she probably broke up, but I don't, I don't actually remember. Maybe I broke up with her, but I, that's it wasn't the problem. You don't, it wasn't significant enough for no, you to remember was. because we girls, we sit there, we compare our stories. <laughs> Just the other day, I was telling my kids a lesson I learned. Well, my daughter and her friend, a lesson I learned from the boy that, you know, I dated when I was 20 to going on my mission for my church, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's so what you did. That. That's what and, you did is you forgot the details. That's what you did. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I am so ADHD minded that I forget. I'm like that, you know, Dory on the, you know, fish movie where I forget everything. Well, I have ADHD too. And, you know, we're just high creatives. <laughs> That's, it's a good thing. <laughs> but I, yeah, I joined, the, I joined that choir. And what was kind of cool there is that um, in a time when, I just didn't really know what was going on with my life because I, I really had liked sports, but I was probably never going to be any anything special as an athlete, but I didn't have anything else. And then I got into the choir and and we had our great teacher, Mr. Larson, and we had like some really cool experiences in there. And I just started to notice that I could sing a little bit higher, you know, than than some of the kids. And and I just started to find this this talent in there yeah. and um i remember he at he let me sing in a choir concert it was the first time i'd ever sung anything i did a duet from phantom of the opera i couldn't I remember you singing phantom of the opera as soon yeah. as you said it i remember and we were like what yeah and i didn't i had no um I, I couldn't sing the low notes. So I sang the first half of it an octave up. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but it was such a, a rush to perform and, and to use that talent that I was just starting to discover that it sort of hooked me. And then we went to an opera as a choir. I think it was our senior year. 
And I suddenly remembered my dad. Is that the California Disney trip? No, no. We just went to Utah Opera. We went to like a dress rehearsal of Tosca. Um, oh, I remember going to Tosca. Okay. I, for, yeah. for, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah. And I went and my dad, I recognized some of the tunes because my dad, when I was a little kid, had played opera and had like really warbled in the house. He, he actually had an awesome voice and he would imitate the great tenors. And then my parents got divorced so that that uh, music was not really there from age eight on. But then it oh. it's me at age 17 when I go to the opera and hear these tunes that my dad had sung. And um, I, I kind of just stopped listening to other music at age 17. And so when I cranked up that uh, sunroof, at 17, you're you like were hearing Pavarotti in my car from, <laughs> from that age on. And, uh, you know, then I went on a mission for the church and then got Where'd back, serve? served in Phoenix, Arizona, which was a huge letdown. I get my call and I'm, I'm called to San Bernardino, California, which was a big letdown. But then I'm in the training center and they decided my asthma was not going to work in, in San Bernardino because of the smog. So they switched me to Arizona, which was even more of a bummer. <laughs> And my asthma was horrible in in Phoenix, but I had an awesome mission and I ended up meeting my wife's family and ended up, um, you know, that's how I ended up finding her after, afterwards. So it was all, it was all good. So I was called deaf program and was originally signed to Portland, Oregon, then was moved, didn't go to Portland because they only had elders there. So I joked that with my last name being Mon, like, Hey Mon, Jamaica Mon, they just thought I was an elder, a boy. So anyway, but I got um, to Michigan yeah. And then I was in Phoenix as well. And really? Yes. But the deaf program, so I didn't know deaf people. But wait, were you in the, the actual Phoenix mission? Well, I we're actually the or, Phoenix and so we covered the whole Phoenix Mesa metropolitan area. Okay. Yes. But I was assigned to the Phoenix mission. Okay. But we were in the hood. Would we have been, we wouldn't have been there at the same time because I didn't go on my mission until I was 22. So we would have missed each other because I was yeah. engaged, you know, uh-huh. blah, 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 you know, yeah, I was done by October 94. Okay. And I was 95. So okay. if I'd gone on time, then we would have been. Oh, that's funny. But the boy slowed me down. <sighs> Girls, <laughs> don't let the boys slow you down unless they're the one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so you met your wife's family. Um, just they were just like members in the area. Yeah. So her dad was a stake president. So he was over like seven or eight congregations. And I ended up just like serving in five of those congregations during my mission. I just kind of kept bouncing back to that. So I knew uh-huh. their family really well. And she was in Provo at BYU. And so she actually ended up meeting my family at the behest of her parents. Like, like it was this whole whole thing where she was she was getting to know my family and I was getting to know hers and I came home and I I called her up like within two days of being home well that's a compliment of what kind of missionary you were because I have pointed out particular missionaries to my daughter where I'm like you can flirt with that when they're off their mission (laughs) right there you go because I'm not saying oh marry him or per se but I want her to have the opportunity to date men of excellent character and so mm-hmm. I'm pointing out what I am seeing of excellent character by how they served their mission. There you so go. <laughs> the state president was like, um, <clears throat> check out Hurtado. He's, he's good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they, they did. They liked me. I hope they didn't uh, see too many red flags. I was on my game, you know, at that point in life. So yeah, no, no, because there are missionaries <laughs> like one <laughs> called us up after and wanted to live in our basement apartment. And I was like, I don't like you that much. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no. My daughter yeah. wants to flirt with you. I did not say that, but you know, how, how much you choose to focus when you're literally called to serve the Lord says a lot about who you are and the patterns and habits you're creating for your life. And yeah. I always tell girls who cares if he's good looking, which by the way, Isaac is plenty cute. Don't worry, ladies. He's seeing and he's cute, but he doesn't care because he's married. But the point is, don't worry about if somebody is cute, worry about their character. Yeah, that is what your job to date someone is. And I'm sure glad that that's what my husband did, because I'm almost as tall as he is. And I don't know if you remember that I was 
little bit stronger than the average girl. So I'm really glad that my husband looked past that into who I was and my personality. <laughs> yeah. See, you know, I, yeah, I feel like my wife looked at the personality that I, that she could see me maybe ending up as and trusted that somehow. But you uh, were showing your character by your hard I, work. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm not um, going to let you back away from the compliment. Okay. All right. Just all take right. it. Okay. Yeah. So um, I want to back up for a minute. You mentioned your parents got divorced. Can I ask about that? Because where we grew up, um, most parents were married. I remember divorce feeling a little scandalizing. And when my parents were looking at doing that, I remember begging my dad um, to not do that. And um, I have a lot of feelings just about that. So do you mind sharing with us? Because I mean, growing up in a very religious community, in the 1980s, yeah. in the neighborhoods that pretty much everybody had a mom and a dad, and yeah, you had a flat extra, car. I think it was extra traumatic at that time to be yeah. right where we were in in Provo. Um, so yeah, the it felt weird to be. I'm the oldest of five kids. My mom moved us to my grandma's. That's when we moved to Provo. So I grew up in Salt Lake before that. Moved to Provo. It was pretty traumatic, like, yeah. you know, reverberated for a lot of years, probably still does. I lost my dad in 2018 and, you know, it's, that's a big deal, but. Um, Did he were the remarry or was that okay? Yeah. So my dad remarried several times. Uh, okay. Evidently. <laughs> yeah. We had a revolving door there because um, I remember actually. So he remarried a few couple years after the divorce, and my stepmom had already had a couple of kids. They were great. She was lovely. She died of cancer like right before I left on my mission. Oh, that's horrible. And, uh, and then I came home, and my dad had remarried a woman who had eight. So we had our yes. five, and then we had the two steps that had lost their mom. And then we were added by eight and my mom had remarried and he had four. So I think the high, the high number that we had at one point was 24. Um, and I have five older half brothers and sisters that, you know, they're, they're full, full, you know, family brothers and sisters. But, but yeah, yeah my, my dad had, had a marriage before my mom when he lived in Peru and they had five. So it was like this crazy revolving. Is your dad department. Peruvian? Yeah, my dad's from Peru. Okay, because that's where you get your exotic coloring. Yes, there is the there is that. Because people get upset with me all the time that I don't speak my language of my culture because they assume mm. I'm Hispanic as well or part mm. Hispanic, and yeah. I'm not. You right. know, so they'll. I literally this only happened one time, but it's so funny. I literally had a lady yelling at me in Walmart that I had not that I don't didn't speak Spanish, and I'm I've been practicing on Duolingo. Really. But, at the time, I was just like, but I'm not Hispanic. But I look so much like people who are. And my name, Letha, Letha, yeah. you know, people assume that I am. But, you know. Yeah, I had to learn my Spanish in school. And I got to, like, maybe a conversational state and used it a little bit on my mission. But then in yeah, studying. Phoenix. Yeah. You know, but then doing operas in Italian and French and German and, and stuff has my mind. I, I'm basically functional in four languages but not fluent in any that's and, cool though and that's it's so cool. confusing yeah yeah but that's anyway. super cool no because you're like just mastering the romance languages yeah. and i guess it's just opened up that part of your brain that like can do language yeah and i always had i i could always sort of hear language and accent probably because my dad's accent you know my dad mm-hmm. had one and my mom didn't and so i i would apparently like correct him all the time and and you know, I developed an ear for for pronunciation, which really helped me later, which is kind of cool. Ooh, I think that's really cool. So we've got this love of music that's kind of accidentally happened. Yeah. This love of pronunciation that, again, kind of accidentally happened um, with those with music. It, when when I remember when you sang, it seemed like you had a depth. Was that you kind of expressing your emotions in a safe way that a boy could in the in the 90s or was that just you acting 
Uh, that's interesting that you would even say I had no, like at that point in my life, I didn't, I, I was going on just total instinct and, and whatever God had given me and stuff like that. Right. So if you felt that I'm, I'm great, but you, I'm really happy about that. But what, what I, the habits that I learned, vocal habits I learned in high school were backwards. Like they were so not going to help me later <laughs> so i had to it's had okay to, mr larson it's okay <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't from him it was more oh. like you know you're you're put in there with zero musical background and zero voice lessons or anything like that and you just figure out a way in your body to make the notes happen and you usually you use your tongue and your jaw and your neck muscles and really like specific ways that that you if you're going to be a professional singer later you have to get rid of that okay it's it's not productive because i didn't know how to breathe i didn't align know how to really align my body and i didn't know how to sing in a really healthy way so i made it happen and it worked for being that age and when you're young and and Mm -hmm. viable and things you can kind of get away with it but it, it worked to the extent that like when i got home from my mission and I started college. I thought maybe I'd be a visual artist or something. I couldn't get any scholarship money for that. And so I just tried out for the voice program. I remember oh. I like, went down in my basement, learned a song or two, and then I went and tried out. And they they gave me um, a good scholarship. Awesome. And, but I still didn't know anything about music. Like I had to well, go and I just learn. want the listeners to hear, because getting music scholarships is competitive. Yeah, especially in Utah, where I felt like a total weirdo that I had no talents at that age. I had no nothing you could put on stage, which are most kids were in piano lessons, singing lessons, swimming lessons, a sport of some kind or both. You know, like yeah. that was a, so most lots of people played musical instruments. We did not have a problem filling our band so that you got a scholarship for singing just proves to all the listeners that you were good. Well, I think they saw something in me, but, and, but it also helps, you know, it's not as competitive if you're a male voice coming out of high school because the bar is pretty low. You know, how many young high school kids are really classical singers that are, that are boys. It's, it's sort of like not cool to sing when you're a young man. Yeah, I'm still trying to give you the compliment though. Okay. Come on. You're you're (laughs) pulling down the coolness of my podcast when I tell people you're amazing and you're like, whatever. I was breathing. I'm I'm actually uh, this is honestly how I feel about it. I think they did see something in me. I think I had some good things going for me. Uh And I had I did have some instinct that really helped and I, and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, but anyway, BYU gave me that. And, and I thought, okay, well, if if I get an undergrad in music, I can still maybe do a respectable money-making thing afterwards. So I thought I would maybe go into law afterwards. Oh, And that was my plan. But after about With ADD, that was your plan. That was a terrible plan. (laughs) Being married to an attorney. (laughs) It probably it was. is not where ADD people will thrive. And there's nothing See, wrong with us. In a courtroom, I think I would have been like an eloquent, not eloquent, yeah, but, but I would have like, been passionate. Like but 2%, that's not what it is. Yes. 2% of what being an attorney is. I know. I know. It would have been horrible. But you my should mom, have been an actor that played a lawyer. That <laughs> that would have been fine. My mom was a law librarian at, at BYU Law Library. And so that was oh, kind of. So you're just trying anyway. to please both your parents. Music. Love. Music in, in yeah, but and it ended up being like after a little while, I just loved the the singing thing so much that I abandoned that that and respectability I just, didn't know. matter anymore. You're like, I'll sing it. It is committed, you know. Yeah, so so yeah, I did that, and I actually didn't fix any of the the vocal things that I needed to fix at BYU. But but you know, it was going. I was going on the raw ability and the raw instincts, and then I got into a a really great conservatory. It was maybe a top five program at that time. And I, it was really cool that I got in, but when I got there and I heard like really good singers, I was so humbled and so oh. blown away. Cause it was like, Whoa, these guys are good. And a lot of them are, are famous singers now. And uh-huh. uh, yeah. like, no, 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 no. I mean, I, yeah, they're much bigger names for sure. Like who? <laughs> 
Well, in opera, so fame, fame in opera is, <laughs> is not fame. Well, as far as I know, you're the most famous person in opera because I know you. Well, and then I like Googled you and I was like, dang, that's so cool to see someone that, you know, I grew up with be so cool. Well, it's, it's cool to be able to like get paid to do something that you love in a weird, in a very competitive and, and weird niche thing that I love. That's what's really cool. No, it's super cool. It's super cool. But, you know, I mean, I do know when you are doing something niche and you get Googled, you know, people Google me, they're like, wow, you are so cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you right. know? because it's a niche thing, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I went to that conservatory and then um, the big thing to do in college, if you can, if you're an opera singer, you want to get a paid young artist program. You want to somehow like, and so opera companies will have these summer festivals and they, and they'll hire you and you'll go in and all you'll do is like bit parts, cover a lead maybe, and you'll do the chorus. And I got in a couple of those. And by the time I was on, on my, uh, uh, last one of those, I realized that I still hadn't fixed my voice. Now, are you married at this point? Yeah, I was married almost immediately. In fact, Kim thought she was marrying a lawyer. (laughs) <laughs> oh the old bait and switch exactly, exactly. <laughs> and i thought yeah, i was marrying so, an army guy so he bait and switched that on me too <laughs> i mean we we were married i think i was still 21 when we got married okay done no, probably Utah style. Yeah. yeah yeah it was par for the course there but no so when you we guys had kids- are married and you're trying to figure out how you could make money doing the thing yeah, and it and was assuming you know, the young artist program doesn't pay a whole lot. No, 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 no. They don't pay. You don't. It's super hard to make any money as an opera singer. It, but after, if you like, do it for a long time, and you and you get into the right things, and then you can get paid well. But it takes a super long time. So most of us cobble together an existence with multiple streams of income, and you, teaching is usually a, a part of that. And um, and then you decide, do I want to be a Skype dad and actually be performing all year long? Because you have a contract in six weeks, and then you go somewhere yeah. else. It's not good. You don't yeah. get to stay in one place unless you live in Germany or or I had I have I had the one job in the United States that let me be the the house tenor for a couple of years, um, wow. and that was awesome. But but yeah, so eventually, you know it. I, we're having a, a family and it's growing and growing and growing. And, and then my career, started. we have eight. Well done. Yeah. Not 24 like your dad. No. <laughs> eight. That's one marriage. Well I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> Not you, 24. 24 is too much to ask of Kim. That's yeah. just too much from one uterus. So well exactly. done keeping it a high number, but not multiple women. So well done. Yeah. You know, and I will know. say we have three grandkids and one on the way. So. That, is, that is, I, that is something that hits me a little crazy because I forget because I did not get children until 29. How yeah. many of my friends are grandparents? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, cause my son's, my oldest is 20. So, yeah. and he's. So mine's 27. Yeah. But, you know, totally, you know, that's just that many more years ahead. And so it just kind of blows my mind because I'm like, oh, yeah, people my age are grandparents. Grandparents (laughs) are hotter nowadays than they've ever been. Just saying, you know, Laura DeBry has several, um, several grandkids, too. Yeah. You know, so crazy, crazy. Okay, so your family's growing. You're cobbling together an income. That's where you are. And the thing that I'm starting to realize is that. Like I can't make a career if I'm singing this way Um, and I'm seeing the people around me and I'm just knowing that at the end of my master's, I wasn't ready to, to do that. And I also did not want to teach. I only wanted to sing at that point. So I was kind of in a crisis mode and, um, and an opportunity opened up at Florida state for me to go get a doctorate. And it came with like a teaching assistantship. And so I ended up doing that. And then, a year into that, I'm at a young artist program and I'm, my voice is just poop. It's not working. Um, and, uh, and so I had this like moment of 
truth where I had to really look at myself and figure out what what is not there and why. And so I read every book about voice science and anatomy and vocal technique that I possibly could. And I diagnosed an issue in my voice that my teachers had not talked to me about. Wow. So they'd mm-hmm. missed it because of the raw talent. <clears throat> they you were willing to work hard. Yeah. The, my voice had, had color in it more color in it than it should have for the way that I was producing it. Okay. So it masked the issue and it'll bore your, it'll bore your readers to go into it, but essentially, you know, your, your Adam's apple, your voice box, if it goes higher while you're singing, it's brought up by a, by some tension and it essentially shortens your resonator to the point that you can't tap into certain resonance. And in the, where you are, your microphone if you're not using your whole resonator the right way, um, you can't really sing over the orchestra and get the sound that you want. And I, okay. I knew that sound because I, I listened to opera like for years and years and years. And I, I went to opera and I heard that sound and I'd hear recordings of myself and there might have been good things there, but I knew that that sound wasn't happening. And uh, to listen to myself with that, that truth mirror and go, what am I not doing? And what's it going to take for me to learn how to do it? So I actually came back from that summer, told my teacher, this is what's wrong with my voice. And I can only sing three notes correctly. <laughs> and he thought I was crazy and like wanted to kick me out of his studio. Oh. And I gone to Florida State to work with him because he was a famous tenor and he was somebody I respected so much and loved. And I said to him, what? That took a lot of guts. Yeah. And I said, I am going to retrain my whole voice and I'm getting my doctorate. That's just like way too late. Right. I already been to like major conservatories. I had scholarships everywhere I went. I'd sung these young artist programs, which was super hard to get. And I had to just go, no, I, I will not sing another note if it's produced wrong. Okay. What I'm getting from this right here is there's this moment, perhaps in anyone who pursues something where our talent could be lost if we don't have the humility to grow in the skills. Yeah. And I'm the whole reason I hadn't fixed it there was probably because I didn't have enough humility or I didn't also don't think I had the right kind of instruction for me. And you look like a leading man too, you know, so you would have gotten certain roles because you have the talent, you've got the look. I mean, how tall are you? Uh, I'm, I'm only six one. I'm not hugely tall, but yeah, a lot of but... tenors are like 300 pounds and five, four. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. I've been to too many musicals where there's like this guy who's like, you know, crazy. You could tell he's like really talented, but he doesn't look like a leading man. So yeah. he's got the better voice, but he's in a supporting role because right. he doesn't look like he has it. Right. So I just assumed it was like that in opera too. Well, in opera, it's, there's a much bigger, historically, a much bigger tolerance for you to not look prototypical. Because the voice is so important. And because it takes so many years for the voice. So you could have older people playing, like, like I could be cast as Romeo or something. Uh, That's crazy because Romeo is not 50. (laughs) Romeo is not 50, right? But conceivably still maybe do that role, which I did when I was younger and it was, it was great, but you know, in opera now, it's becoming much more looks based. Okay. Which maybe is to the detriment of the beauty of, of the genre, but that's yeah. a whole other thing. Anyway, no, I, I can totally see that. Yeah. So yeah. back to your Adam's apple. Back to my larynx. Like oh, I larynx. just, yeah, you, I had to figure out how to sing with a low larynx. And, um, because of how long I'd gone singing with a high one, that was like, that was like changing the, the worst addiction possible because your whole wow. identity is in how you sound and as soon as that thing drops well a I mean, you're using a whole different set of muscles and, and releasing a whole group of muscles that you've always used so that's the muscle memory is horrible yeah. but then also your identity your vocal identity which is super close to you because you are your instrument right uh, right hard to separate like that like the sound completely changed and every success you've had is because of that vocal identity. Yeah, so far. 
right? And I just right. knew that it wasn't going to take me where I wanted to go. And I literally gave it up. And I, I was willing to just not be a singer. I was willing to like, you know, figure out a new career, um, mm-hmm. give it all up. But I just said, I'm not going to do it that way. Because I wanted that sound that I loved. And that, you know, that thrilled me that I, I just appreciated so much. And I didn't really have that sound. I had a sound that was good, but in the context of a 4,000 seat three, uh, theater with 90 orchestra players and no microphone, like you had to tap into certain frequencies in the voice. And it was only possible with a lower position of that larynx. And, uh, and so I told my teacher I was going to do this and he thought I was crazy. And I begged him to give me a few more weeks to show him that I could do it before he kicked me out of his studio. Oh my heavens. And so I went in that practice room and I like literally bent pitches with my finger on my Adam's apple by half steps up and down. So you're watching the instruments. I am going like, cause the, the voice is inside your body and you can't see most of it. But the one thing I could see and touch was was the location of my Adam's apple. Okay. And I diagnosed that that was the problem because it was just ascending with pitch, like a trombone, right. you know, just up and down with right. pitch. And and what happens is you overpressurize your vocal cords when the when the vocal tract or the resonator space shortens. And so my, my voice was getting tired and I couldn't, I didn't have the colors that I needed. I didn't have the resonance that I needed. And, and so anyway, I just was like bending pitches up and down in that practice room for hours every day. You're creating a new muscle memory. Yeah. To overcome the bad habit. Yep. And uh, there were some other things that I had to learn how to do at the same time. And everyone thought I was crazy, but what ended up happening is after about a few weeks, I went back to my teacher and I sang some stuff for him. And he just kind of sat back and said, oh, you're on to something. And, <laughs> and my voice doubled in size, like awesome. overnight. And then, How did that uh, feel to have uh, to be validated after everyone thinking you're crazy? Because I'm seeing the movie of Isaac Hurtado right now. And, you know, this is that moment where you don't think the hero is going to get through. And you're just in this little box room and everyone's laughing at you. But Kim, she's supportive, right? Yeah, she's supportive, but she knew like painfully that I wasn't doing it either, like before that. So and that was really hard for her to like be rah, 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 rah when I'm when she could secretly tell and she's not untruthful. So she was supportive, but it was also like, you know, something's got to (laughs) change. But she was supportive of when everyone else thought you were crazy and you could program. So because that's the best movie is when nobody believes in them, but. Yeah, their, their person. Yeah. Yeah. She did, and she and she believed in me, and she believed in my ability to support our family and to do what do the things. But I don't know that she necessarily knew that I was going to make it in, as an opera singer, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't matter. She was with me, you know. She, New careers can always be had. That's not, yeah. you know. But you being able to do the things you need to do, and to you know look under the bushes that you need to look under. That's mm-hmm. worth worth risking failure. Yeah. And so I ended up after about, it was only a couple months that, um, that I did this change. And once my larynx was in a lower position and stable, then it was like, I could input all the information I'd, I'd had in three universities and from all my teachers. And it all, suddenly it worked because awesome. that fundamental thing was there. And there, it wasn't like I figured out everything and I'm still figuring it, stuff out, but, but it was big enough that like I won a competition, won a bunch of money. I got an agent and I got cast in my first leading role. Like and- more than $5. <laughs> yeah. It was like 3000 or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but, you you know, know, it was, it wasn't like the biggest competition in the world. No, but anything. when you're like young, and you, you're not sure if your career is going to work out. Three thousand dollars is two or three mortgage payments or rent payments. Right. Back when we were young. And I had a moment in that in those first couple mo- months when I was doing that change, where I, I remember I was in my apartment and I was I was singing a hymn, and I I I heard my voice and it was like I heard my real voice for the first time. Literally mid word, I just busted out in the waterworks of tears, just like, yeah. no, no, I it was really a grace moment. Like I had been given that change that 
it was probably more of a change than most people would ever be able to make. And he gave me that. Yeah. Well, when you said that, I just, I, I'm not even like a musical person. And what came to my mind or my heart when you said that was, you know, they, they talk about the angels singing, right. And I, <laughs> I do not read notes. There was no music in my home. If there is a hidden talent, it is, it is a, it was given no space to thrive, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, I can sing adequately in church. The people in front of me are not turning around going, you know, but I I know I'm doing everything wrong. And so I've joked with myself that, boy, my angel voice must be amazing. (laughs) Right. And what you just described to me, I was like, oh, he tapped his angel voice. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was so huge to me. Like it felt like a total rebirth, like a, you know, Phoenix coming out of the flames. It was, it was awesome. But, um, you won a bunch of money. You got brought on an agent and I, then I got a lead, a lead role, my first lead role, which was actually Romeo, uh, um, in, Yeah. yeah, in California. And so I was able to finish that doctorate, but I, you know, I suddenly didn't have to go into teaching right then. I could sing. So I, I started to sing and then I ended up getting the, um, the gig to in San Jose, California. I was able to do like all their lead roles for a couple of years. And at the end of that time, and your whole family's moving with you. So we've gone from Florida to California. Yeah. Florida okay. to California. And, um, at the end of that time in, in California, I, I, I still felt like I wasn't making the sound that I wanted to make. And, and it was like, I knew I was viable, but I, but I just, I knew there was still stuff that had to happen. And I felt strongly that I maybe should start looking at teaching more seriously. And I also, as a, as a human being, like I was struggling with living life the right way. And I felt like I was going to, I was going to just not recognize myself if I kept staying full-time singing. So I actually had like work for almost four years kind of lined up. It wasn't like major stuff. It was small stuff, but it was cool roles and a bunch of things. And, and um, I, I felt like I needed to start teaching instead of singing. So I looked for a job and it was late in the season, but I found one in Michigan and uh, ended up going to, to a high school for the performing arts. It's kind of like fame. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, kind of like fame with, with yeah. the lead cards and everything, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I sang the on plumbers. the side and taught there for three years. And then I ended up coming, moving the family back to Utah. And we, um, I started a business here, a vocal Academy. I started a summer festival for high school kids and then it turned into college kids and started doing all that and sang when I could but there was this nagging like thing like I had unfinished business in my my voice and um and the problem was I had a doctorate and I'd already done things and and it was hard to humble myself enough to say okay I gotta go back and I gotta find a a teacher that's really gonna work and I tried some teachers and they would help but nothing lined up with like this Italian sound that I wanted. And so right before the pandemic, I, I reached out to a guy um, who teaches like really famous people. <laughs> and he's uh he's an Italian guy. He studied with like Pavarotti's teacher. And okay. See, there's a name I know. There's yeah. a name. Yeah. But he taught a lot of things that were different from what I'd learned in the university system. And so I had sort of resisted, going there, daring to go there. And I found him and he actually just completely rocked my world and changed things in a really cool way. And so I was able to take this thing that I had and sort of revitalize my, my voice. And now it is, I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm singing much closer to the way that I wanted to in the way that makes me happy. And yeah. so we're starting to get some of those, those sounds. So and- we're talking 30 years, yeah. my 30 years of working hard, getting yeah. accolades, but never 
never, never being enough. What's that song from Greatest Showman? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, wait, what? I just put a note out and now I'm like, no, no, not in front of Isaac. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I mean, I was doing stuff, right? But it, but I shifted to a full-time career and, and in, in teaching. And then singing became my side gig for all those years and always feeling like there's unfinished business. And I do a lot of good work when I, when I had a performance coming up, but then I would just be teaching and I'd sort of decline a little bit. And then I'd have to find my way back a little bit. You were supporting your family. And I think it was key to the point that you realized um, after that two year tenor thing, that this life was, maybe not the life that would help you become the character person you want it to remain to be. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that the stumbling blocks of my vocal journey were there so that I could be taught by heaven, the things that I needed to learn almost as a metaphor. So like my vocal journey is a metaphor for my spiritual journey. It's also a metaphor for every, every aspect of my life. It's like this personal scripture and um and it's an allegory that's just um i can go and and learn from it and take it into my life and um and that's more valuable to me than it than it would have been like if i if i was singing like i do now when i was in my late 20s or something um you know i i could have had probably a bigger career you know like a big i don't know how big but it would have been it would have been bigger than it was than it ended up being but um, but it also probably would have taken a toll on my family, and it would have, I would have not liked who I became. You know? Right. And so there were a lot of bumps in the road, like how I how I lived and how I and the choices that I made, and and it ended up being um, just the right thing. Which is such a beautiful testament to, you know, in society we're told you know, the more accolades you can get, you know, the more, more, more. And I have a speech that I give about how the more is not always better. Yeah. And that there are so many different times in my life that I've given up things that don't make sense to people. Yeah. But I can look me in the mirror. Right. And, and then- that's what I heard you describing was you, you were not willing to risk losing your character, losing your soul. And, you know, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, I don't think of the opera world like the drug-ridden rock and roll world, but I'm sure there's a whole side because there is in every industry. Yeah. Yeah, there's a side to it. And I'm, I think most of it is like you're just away from your family. I mean, most a lot of people are not in marriages very long in the career if they're married at all. They mm-hmm. definitely don't have a lot of kids. A lot of famous opera singers just like never had kids because they're always on the road. The ones that are able to manage it all are amazing. They're like... I don't know how they do it. Um, it wouldn't have worked for me to be gone all the time. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been okay with me or my kids or my wife. It just wouldn't have worked. It's not. Well, the- you, you married her and you made yeah. children and good yeah. for you for being there for it. Yeah. You know, so, but I do get, I, you know, I get out and I scratch the itch enough. And, you know, I'd sing, um this year I got to sing at Carnegie Hall as a soloist. It was awesome. Um, and I've had, um, I get to do, you know, really nice leading roles in pretty good places, but, you know, maybe a couple of them a year and then some concerts and, and right. then I'm, I'm here doing my other stuff, my business, my summer festival, UVU, which is amazing and building that program. And so I have all these, you great know, it's, yeah, I mean, and the thing is when we look at ourselves as the eternal beings that we are. You yeah. know, for years, people have been like, Levi, you got to do this. Like, there's some kind of hurry that if I don't get it by a certain moment within the next season, I, it's going to be gone forever. And I just don't think that real opportunities that really matter yeah, are are like that. You know, I mean, I'm an empty nester now and I'm not happy about it. But <laughs> everything that people told me I needed to do is still available to me. Right. You know, but I have that much more maturity and wisdom um, to kind of look at things that I kind of got sucked into that I'm like, ah. you know, I had an opportunity where I was offered a $936,000 speaking contract. The trick was they just wanted 
me in four different cities a week. Hmm. And because you've traveled, you know what that means. That means you're not home. Right. And at the time I was doing four a month and I was getting up at like 4 a.m. to catch a plane to sit in with my family in church. Yep. And because I wanted my little kids to see that churches, I'd leave like on a Friday night, have a speech on Saturday, get home Sunday morning. And I wanted my kids to know that church was important to me. Right. And um, when they got a little bit bigger, they all were like, mom, we know that church is important. Just go to church where you are, <laughs> you know, with which our faith is an opportunity. Cause I'd be like in church being like, I'm so tired, you know? Yeah. Um, but I would not give up for anything being able to be there with my kids for the important things and mm-hmm. even sitting in church tired because that helped mold their character. And right. if I turned out amazing kids and I was never there, it wasn't me who did it. Right. And if they struggled, I'd be like, well, what if I had been there? Those, those are the kinds of regrets that are crazy makers, not having the kids and not being there for the kids. Yeah. So I'm thankful that people like you and Kim that can have the children do have the children. And I'm thankful that you made those sacrifices that so-called sacrifices, right? Because when you have the eternal perspective, what's really important, is it really a sacrifice? No, no. You know, exactly. Everything is as it should be. And that I'm so grateful. Like when I wake up and hear the sounds of my kids, because I still have like a seven and eight year old. So they're like a sort of massive span. But I mean, I, I thank Heavenly Father on a almost, you know, hopefully daily basis, just for the fact that I get to be with them and wake up to their sounds and, and, um, and have that, that time. It's just the best. And now it's grandkids, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. It's, it's really cool. And I, I get a, I get to scratch all the itches and my hands in a lot of different pies and, and, the career is really fun, but the family is, is everything. And my kids love to get together. And that is like the funnest thing. They're like, they just love each other and they all come home. Cause we only have three in the house. So they all come home and we just play together. Sometimes we'll just take a trip together and hole up in a big house, Airbnb somewhere and just play. And, and that's great. I love it. I love it. That's the best. And you know, it's funny cause, uh, I'd never really thought deeply about the opera world because I'm not, you know, I've been to a handful of operas. In fact, I've been to more operas than I have been to rock concerts. I've been to probably 10 operas in one, one rock concert and (laughs) a teenage boy flirted with me, which I was old enough to be his mother and a lady flashed me. Oh boy. I was like, you know, I like (laughs) the opera better. I put this up on Facebook. I like the opera better because all drug use is private. (laughs) You know, because I was there just like, why are you flirting with me? Clearly you're <laughs> high. Um, because I wasn't even, you know, he just turns around. He's like, hey, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even, it was just crazy. And then the lady flashing me and I'm just like, I have some too, big deal. Um, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was just crazy. And no one's ever done that at the opera. And though I wouldn't label myself uh, able to, you know, with enough knowledge to really appreciate music. Yeah. There is something about great music sung with passion that yeah. does make you feel like you touch heaven, you know? And now I'm all crying. <laughs> <laughs> it, so. it, it, for me, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, the, the problem is, I mean, it's not popular, but now, but it was, I mean, the opera singers were the movie stars and the rock stars at, at, at one point. Right, right. But once you got amplified music and amplified instrumentation and rock and roll and everything like that, it stopped being the thing that was on the radio. And the sound is so much different because when you're projecting over an orchestra, you you set up your voice a certain way to do that. And when you when you sing into a mic, you set it up a totally different way. And so what people grow up with is the amplified sound. And so the opera sound sounds weird to the ear. It's harder to get. The vibrato is harder to get. But but when uh, when people give it a really serious look, a lot of people feel that it has like this 
primal quality that really reaches something and yeah. it's a little bit deeper. And that's and I'm assuming I, the operas I've been to, because I've been to like open air opera. Yeah. The Santa mm-hmm. Fe has a an an open air. I my freshman year and Tim Few, I don't remember if you remember, I wasn't there. I was in Blanding, Utah, and I took some college classes, one of which was a music appreciation class. And we did a couple at Santa Fe Opera because it was just, you know, right over right over the hill, basically. Right. Yeah. And that was that was pretty astounding to me what people could do. Yeah. And I was 15. I can still remember it. And then when I lived in the D.C. area, I was able to see what I assume was good opera. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, you would have. And, and some operas are better than others. That's for sure. Like there's some that are hard. And also it takes so much longer to sing something than say something. And the attention span of the modern person is, you know, often attuned to a two second shift in a movie. But um, but there is something really special about that sound that I love. So that that was enough to make me devote an entire lifetime to the study of it. Well, I, when we devote ourselves to excellence, it what I heard through your story was not just devoting to gaining a skill, but what mm-hmm. it made you become through that skill. Yeah. And effort like that is never wasted because of what it creates in us. Even yeah. if it was just something you saying in the shower. Yeah. You know, it, it was, was it was thing for me. Yeah. But it was this this journey that I got taken on uh, with God and and I'm still on it and it'll never stop. Like I will be trying to figure it out my whole life. Well, we're eternal beings and I hope that in heaven I will get to uh sing near you so I can hear but where you can't hear me. <laughs> no, I'll be I'll be awesome by then. So Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my angel voice. <laughs> Well, you're, you're, uh, you know, all learning is not wasted. So you'll, you'll be an elevated angel singer and I'll be like, you know, in the, you know, in the choir part, you know, doing the hand gestures. Yeah. 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 I won't be the dancing angel, just kind of the one that like, you know, does the, the hands. that enhances, you know, the, yeah. the whole scene. Yeah. But you'll be, you'll be up front and center. I'll be, when there's talking parts, that's where they'll use me. Yeah. You know? An angel outreach. I'm going to be good at that because I love everybody. You never so. know. You might be the, the you know, the lead in, in everything. We'll all be like. Well, I, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Isaac, I wish we had more time. And I love this. Now I'm going to go to my daughter who just auditioned for BYU acapella thing. Nice. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have outed her. So everyone don't say anything <laughs> to her unless I announce she got it. But um, that that she needs to watch her her larynx i'll have her listen to this there you go because <laughs> i have no idea what she's doing and i have a daughter that a daughter-in-law that's a singer yeah yeah that's i don't know if you've noticed that on my social media i keep sharing her thing she's really cute. i need to i need to review that what what kind of stuff i'll send she- you some stuff but her name is chloe may chloe may green but chloe may is what she goes by professionally and she did some songs about my son Pretty cool. Yeah, she waited for him on his mission, and his mission was a little bit shorter than anticipated because of some mental health and stomach issues and everything. But I think God just wanted them to get married. And so I'm still kind of like, oh, my crap, I can't believe I have a 20-year-old married kid. I cannot believe I have a 20-year-old kid. But they're they're adorable. And she turned down, uh, I won't say what, um, but she turned down a major singing competition because the timing wasn't right spiritually. God told yeah. her it's not the right time for you. And right. she turned it down. And I was like, dang, that's awesome that she was willing to listen to God to what God said. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. She's an and excellent human. I'm a lot of my weird left turns too is just knowing that it was the right thing. And so I'm grateful whenever I've been with you that for sure. Yeah, well, God will always guide us right. Yeah. So any closing thoughts you'd like to share, Isaac? Well, thank Just thank you. This has been really fun. Well, been thank you. Great to catch up, and it's awesome to see how how amazing your life has become. And I just appreciate you thinking of me for this. Well, I always have kind of a huh, with high school because you know it was such a tumultuous time of my life and my home life. Yeah. And um, God has made great things. Yeah. Clearly has. It's well, man, I'm a little gushy today, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, 
It was awesome to catch up with you too. And thank you for sharing your hotness on this episode, Isaac Hurtado. And as always, information about Isaac will be in the show notes. And hopefully, do we get like a cool recording in the show notes about you? Yeah, sure. There's there's a bunch of things we could talk about getting in there if you want. Okay, perfect. He's like, I got a couple of things recorded. Send me some stuff. So we'll make sure we get that in for the listeners. And thank you so much. Thank you.